Hey, it's Bridget and Liz, and you're listening to Dude, Dude Guess, Guess What? what? Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the podcast, Dude Guess What podcast. This is Liz, and I am back this week, y'all. We missed you. I know, and you know what? It made me feel really good because I had a bunch of people tell me that they missed me from the podcast last week. So I was like, oh, you guys actually listen. (laughs) Yeah, it was was so different. Like, I feel like the whole time I... I told Anthony, I was like, it's just, it's just different. The vibes were off. The vibes. No, he did great. Thanks. No, I thought Anthony did great too. I was like, when I was listening to the episode, I was like live reacting to the podcast episode and texting Bridget, Anthony and Ryan and just saying like, you know, responding or reacting to everything that was going on. And I thought, I thought it was really good. I thought Anthony was a great co-host. Um, so shout out to Anth for stepping in last minute um, so we could give you guys an episode. Yeah. Yeah. Liz, uh, why don't you give us the 411? Yeah. So the 411 and part of the reason why I couldn't record last week and my big, huge secret that I've been keeping since October or yeah, October, is that Ryan and I bought a townhouse and I was weird about it and um, didn't want to do anything to uh, like jinx it, you know, anything. I don't know. I just was being weird. So I kept it a secret, but Ryan and I bought a townhouse in Lehigh and we're just living out there now. We moved in. Oh, excuse me, guys. I'm tired, apparently. Um, We moved in last week. And, um, we don't have internet yet. Still, we were supposed to get internet today, this morning, May. Oh, what happened? Yeah. Well, here's the latest as of like an hour ago, the guy came out. So let me just back up last week, somebody from Comcast Xfinity came out to set us up for internet. Um, and I was like, oh, you guys aren't wired for it yet. Like the whole, your whole little four, like, cause there's like four con or not condos, townhomes in a bunch. And like, yeah, you know, this whole area is not wired for it yet. It's going to probably be like another month away before someone gets out here to do this. And we're like, oh crap. So then we called edge homes and they said, oh, just contact Xfinity and they'll get you like a, a hotspot thing. Yeah. So Ryan went out there to, to Xfinity to get one of those. And Xfinity said, oh, yeah, we don't even make those. Like, that's not a thing. But give us your address. So Ryan gave him our address. Like, oh, well, it looks like it's serviceable now. Like, it's in the system to go have something done to it or whatever. And so um, they scheduled someone to come out this morning. And the guy was there and said, yeah, you guys still don't have the wiring needed for Wi-Fi. So we won't be getting Wi-Fi anytime soon. And now, you know, I've been like on the line chatting with T-Mobile to get one of their MiFi thingies. I really don't know how it works. Um, So that way Ryan and I can have internet to both work because Ryan goes back to work next week. I'm lucky that I can come back to my mom and dad's house and work, but Ryan's gonna have to work too you know and it's just like what are we gonna do travel back and forth to mom's house like we already brought all of Ryan's stuff to our place and my stuff was still here just because we um we had I was still working when we were moving and 
blah, blah, blah. So now it's just turned into a huge, stupid thing. And I'm frustrated and Ugh. Yeah. Dang, dude. you guys are like living right. in the dark ages i know and you like the guy the edge homes dude was like well you know you can just like hotspot from your phone and we're like yeah no shiz that's what we've been doing but have you ever tried to do a video conference call from a hotspot like the connection's not great <laughs> so yeah it works for regular internet stuff, you know, like just regular doing my work stuff. But if I have a video meeting, like I have to have a good bandwidth, like a good inner, I think that's the right term bandwidth. Yeah. I just, why can't they get somebody to come wire it? Like the people. I like, have no idea. Why is it going to take a month? And this is the thing too, is why, why did they say that, you know, it's, you're able to move in and everything's all good to go when it isn't exactly and the and we emailed the guy ryan called the guy or whatever this morning and he was like oh yeah i'm sorry you know they basically said there was a miscommunication but he said he sent and he sent the he forwarded us a text that he sent to the regional manager and the regional construction manager to say uh hey the people on this lot were not informed that internet was not going to be ready when they closed um, what are we going to do about it basically? So I'm, I don't know, it's just stupid. Like it's crazy. It's also crazy how much our lives revolve around having access to the internet. Um, yeah. but yeah. So other than that, home ownership's going great so far. <laughs> Anything else? Mm, I'm trying to think. Oh, I, I had a new, um, postpartum max on a uh, bench today. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. And my arms are dead. And that was after doing like the, the, the programming was like 10, 8, 6, 4, 2. Mm -hmm. And so when I got to my set of two, I'd already like, you know, been doing however many sets that was. And I still, I benched two at 120. So that was good. My pre having a baby, I was, I think my bench was like 160. So 40 pounds away. Dang. Oh, sorry. I have a lot to say currently now. Um, my, we had Bunko last night and that was really fun. And I hope we get back into the swing of things there with Bunko because we kind of haven't done anything since October. Dude, it took me like telling you about my Bunko group for your Bunko group to do something. I know it was like, you put it out there in the universe and my Bunko group like heard it, you know, they felt, they felt it. I know. Dang. Well, that sounds like fun. You've had a crazy couple of weeks. Yep. I'm so sick of packing and organizing and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I bet. Okay. So tell me about your week. What have you been doing? Um, geez, I don't know. Like surviving. Anthony's been on hospital and he's just had to work like the last like nine, 10 days in a row. And okay. They're long days, which makes long days for me. <laughs> and wait, Bridge, tell them about the boys. Was it Sunday? Oh my gosh. Yeah, tell them about that. Okay. So, uh, so Sunday night, I was it Sunday? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Sunday, dude. Yeah, I was bathing JD, my youngest, in the tub, and Austin. I don't know what Austin was doing. But um, it's just after dinner. We bathe them every night. And so I was bathing JD and I wasn't 
like didn't realize what he was doing, but he pooped in the tub. And Ugh. so I pulled, I had, I thankfully had already like washed him all off and he was just playing, but I had to like pull him out immediately. I had to drain the tub. I had to pick up the crap and, and then I went into the room and, you know, I got him dressed and whatever. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to go get the bleach. Like I have this, I literally pulled port if any, yeah, I just, that thing, like that grosses me out. So <laughs> I legit like poured a whole thing of bleach Ew. like in the tub. And then I got, I have like this, uh, like electronic, um, scrubber thing that has like a wand. So you're not like mm-hmm. having to get on your hands and knees type of thing. And I just scrubbed everything like, cause it gross. It just is yucky, you know, and I'm mm. doing hot water. I legit turn around because I'm done and I'm about to go. Austin takes a shower. So I'm about to go get him ready for a shower in the other, in the other bathroom downstairs. And there is baby powder everywhere. Oh my gosh. And JD had gotten into Anthony's, um, Anthony has baby, (laughs) Anthony has baby powder underneath the sink. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so I, um, got the, he had gotten the baby powder out and was just dumping it like from my bathroom through our room to like the kitchen area. And Mm -hmm. I was just like, Oh my gosh. And then Austin got the baby powder and dumped it on JD. And so JD like Mm -hmm. looked like a ghost. Like I was like scrubbing his head like this and it just kept like coming out. And yeah. And then I like had to vacuum up everything I had to mop it all and then I had to get Austin you know showered and stuff and it just was like oh I was just like something out of a movie yeah yeah I was it was not a great night just because like I'm already like tired you know I just you like as a stay-at-home mom like it's not just like taking care of kids all day like you're also like carrying the mental capacity and the emotional capacity of the everyone men- there. Load the mental load. Yeah, the mental load. You're carrying the mental load of everybody there. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's it's hard, you know. And it's like, it's just hard. And so it was just one more thing, and and yeah, and now today's Anthony's last day of um of hospital and I am so excited because we got through it guys I didn't know you know what I realized though I 100% prefer him doing nights over days why just because like he uh when he does nights like he'll sleep until 2 p.m uh-huh. and then from 2 to 4 30 he's home and it's like it's nice having, I feel like that's like, those are the hours that are like, Oh, I just got to get through. Oh yeah. Time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I would much rather him do nights than days 1000 times over. Mm. So mm. yeah, I would, cause I, I don't really care about like, you know, getting the boys bathed and go to sleep and it's just, I don't know. But I would much rather do nights for stays. But yeah, I mean, 
nothing crazy. JD's birthday is on Thursday. Um, JD's birthday. I cannot believe that. Yeah, it's crazy. I just, yeah, it's crazy that he's going to be too. I was, you know, I was looking at old photos and I was like two years ago today, I went to the hospital. Yeah. For the first time. <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah. no, nothing, nothing crazy with me. Just school, work, yada, yada, yada. Yada, yada, yada. Okay. So I do know another important topic. What? Which is crumble cookie lineup is absolute trash. What is going on with them? Maple bacon, bleh. mint chip ice cream, also not good. Pink donut, no thank you. Brownie batter, I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. And then here's the thing, and Ryan brought this up to me on Sunday night at 6 p.m., at 6.01 p.m. Because that's when they come out, the new flavors. Yeah. Is I don't think they were give, getting, getting, or going away, giving, or oh, what's the right word? getting rid of um the classic pink sugar cookie like why is that on the menu maybe that's one of the menu items this week was it there last week gosh i don't know mm. but either way i thought that they were getting getting rid of it and it's on the menu and i'm annoyed that it's available <laughs> yeah i i basically am not going to be satisfied until the chocolate cup thing comes out i know and my other little gripe i have with them is freaking like four or five months ago they had everybody you could well not everybody you could pre-order their grandpa beck game that they're making with grandpa beck card games yeah and it's called crumble cookie i don't know it's called like crumble cover your, your cookie cover your cookie that's what it is and i bought them for everybody in my family it is now basically march where the heck is my game so i've emailed crumble to be like when's the release of this game no response at all and so then i didn't get a response for them so then i emailed grandpa beck games and i said when are you guys coming out with this you had us pre-order it five months ago um and they said oh it was supposed to be the thing it was supposed to be at the end of december that was december 28th that's when they were going to release it so that's why i'm like what the heck so they're like yeah it got pushed back to february and now it's being pushed back to the middle of march so i'm what? like yeah so so what's the real release date here guys <laughs> yeah is it going to be march is it going to be may like what we do what are we doing when I'm like, how hard is it? It's the same thing as cover your assets. It's just literally the same game, but with cookies. Yeah. It's not like we're using thinking power here. Yeah. Yeah. But like one of the new steps is semi or frost your own cookie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I'm like so excited though to get that game because as you know, cover your assets was like my all time favorite when you guys were here. I know. But you might play it so much that you end up hating it is the issue. Never. Never. Okay. Never. Okay. Uh, Liz? Yes, dear? Anything else you want to tell us before we get into the meat of the episode? No, I just feel like chatty today. So I'm like excited to, to talk about this topic. And it's going to be me chatting basically the whole time. 
That's strong. Well, I'm chatty, so I'll, let's listen to you. <laughs> no, but I'll, I'll interject. Yeah. So um, we thought it would be kind of fun, not kind of fun, but sentimental. I don't know. Um, since it's JD's birthday and he had such traumatic. JD, JD was born almost two years ago and he was a premature baby. And so he spent time in the NICU and um, his birth, his pregnancy was a little bit traumatic for me. And um, maybe traumatic. We're going to unravel that trauma today. Yeah. And um, just, I kind of just wanted to talk about my pregnancy with JD and his birth story, um, what it was like being in the NIC, him being in the NICU and um, just everything else that kind of that entails um, just because I don't know. It was, I loved, you know, being able to talk about Liz's birth story with Robbie. And I just thought since it was, you know, JD's birthday, we'd kind of make a little tribute to JD. Yeah. Tribute to our little fighter boy. Okay. So we're going to talk about JD's birth story. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. So kind of from the very beginning. Um, so when a mom and dad love each other. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you know what? I really did go into JD's birth so okay, naive. No, I thought you were going to say, no, but really what I do. <laughs> <laughs> and like, here's a little uh, anatomy lesson, guys. Um, No. So I did kind of go into JD's birth a little bit naive just because um, with Austin's birth, uh, we got pregnant like within the first month of trying. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Like you just think that that's how it's going to be, you know? Um, but with JD, it took about five or six months to get pregnant. And, um, when we did, we were so excited. Um, and we actually did one of those like sneak peek tests and we knew that it was a boy Mm -hmm. from the beginning. We actually had sent it out and my blood clotted. Like it wasn't, it was just, um, didn't do very well, but which actually kind of like brings me to my next point. So my sister, Sarah was, um, actually was supposed to have a baby like a week after me, but she miscarried. And, um, and during this time that I was pregnant, she was seeing some specialists about her miscarriage and just why she was was her second miscarriage May? Yes. Okay. So Sarah had had two miscarriages. Yeah. And um, so during this time, she was finding out um, why she was miscarrying. And they were like, well, you actually have this clotting issue. She had to get blood tests. And you have like an it's called the MTHFR gene mutation, um, which basically when you're pregnant, um, it has to do with folic acid and um the OBGYN that Sarah saw, they were like, Hey, if you have any siblings that are girls and that will be getting pregnant or are pregnant, they probably want to get tested for this because it can be hereditary. Uh-huh. So, um, I got tested for it and I actually, mine came back positive for the MTHFR gene mutation and okay. it came back positive for the same clotting disorder. And, um, I had to go see, um, he was a, he was a, well, he was a heme, heme onc specialist, but, um, 
I had to see him and he was like, okay. And that's a hematology oncology doctor. Yeah. So he was like, okay, um, this came back, you know, this came back positive. So we have to wait another like six weeks, six to eight weeks to get another blood test because if it's two positives, then that's really like you really have it type of thing. Or I don't know. I can't remember why. But um, I also had to see the maternal fetal medicine person as well because of it. And she just was like, um, basically told me that the MTHFR wasn't anything crazy to be worried about only if you were having miscarriages. Mm -hmm. So since I wasn't having, and that goes for also, well, the clotting thing would have been too, but, um, anyway, I did, I did get the, the clotting thing and it didn't come back as any, well, I do have a clotting thing, but it isn't something related to like, I have the gene or something, but it isn't related to pregnancy. Like it isn't one that's scary for pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, cool. You know, like, and that was kind of a nerve wracking time just because, um, Sarah had been going through that and yada, yada, yada. Anyway. So everybody knows that like when you get pregnant and you're pregnant, you have to go take the gestational diabetes thing. Um, I never had any issues with Austin. I just, I, I did swell, but it wasn't crazy. It was just like swelling. normal pregnancy swelling. And um, with JD, so JD took the gestational diabetes test, drank the drink. I failed. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like a crazy amount over, you know, it wasn't like 30 points. It was maybe yeah. like five or six. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then, so they were like, okay, you have to take another test and it's three hours. So you have to take, Mm -hmm. so you drink your drink fast or you get blood test fasting. Then you drink your drink and then you take your blood test an hour after each hour, like Mm -hmm. after you've drank in the drink. And, um, basically if, uh, if you have two of those that are off, the charts or like, sorry, not if it's over the threshold, then you have gestational diabetes. And, um, I ended up having that, like I ended up and the, and also it wasn't like it was crazy over my fasting was totally fine. Um, but the ones that, um, uh, I did have two that came back that were, uh, like over the top, but it wasn't, it wasn't like it was like 30. It was like literally like five, two or five points. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I legit even went into that appointment and um, I was like, the at first OBGYN was like, oh, well, I don't think you have gestational diabetes. And then she, and then his MA was like, well, actually look at this. And he's like, okay, you do. And um, I, I legit was like, well, do I really have it? I mean, it's not, it's not like it's a, you know, crazy thing. He's like, we don't want to mess with that. I'm like, it's gestational diabetes. So, so he, I had to see a, a registered dietitian. And when you get gestational diabetes, um, you have to see a registered dietitian. And then, depending on how severe and if you're not able to keep it in check, like you'll have to get on medication. Mm-hmm. Um, I thankfully was able to not get on medication. I was just able to maintain it through diet and exercise. But, um, it was a hassle. Like you have to prick your finger 
basically any time after you eat, like an hour. I think it's like an hour or two hours after you eat. Um, but in the morning you have to take it. And when you're fasting, you have to write the number down. Like I had to keep a log of all of my numbers and, um, they have to be between like a certain amount. Like if it's two hours and your glucose is over 125 or whatever, it's not good type of thing. I can't remember what the exact number is, but it was, it was frustrating. And because I had gestational diabetes, that means I also had to be on high risk monitoring. So not only are you seeing the OB, you know, once a month or every two weeks towards the end of your pregnancy and every week, I had to go in twice a week. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to go in, I think it was every Monday and every Did Thursday. That? What's that? I can't even think of what it's called, where they monitor is, uh, where they put that thing on your st- stomach. Yeah. Through your stomach. Um, yes. <laughs> You're, you know, I can't think, guys. <laughs> your stomach. Your stomach. Um, yes, I had to get, it's a non-stress test. No, that's what it's called. Yeah, so I had to get those every week. And I also had to get, it's called a biophysical profile. And mm-hmm. it's basically an ultrasound. They want to see that the baby's moving um, mm-hmm. within like a 30-minute period. Okay. And... Those were hard just because Anthony was also in medical school. And so he was busy with rotation. So that also meant that I was taking like the non-stress test. Like you just sit there, but it's hard because like you have these wraps around your belly and I'm also trying to entertain a Mm three-year-old and um, sometimes the straps would like come loose or, you know, you have to get repositioned. And the thing too is with the non-stress test, like, you have to have five increment or like a certain amount of number of them seeing. But yeah. They have to like, they have to go up and then be able to bring themselves back down like their heart rates. Yeah. So it's just, it was just, it was frustrating that part of it. Um. Anyway. So that was all like kind of in January and February of 2021. Mm-hmm. And, um, like around the middle of February, I started getting like crazy itching on my hands and on my feet. And, um, they were seeing, they were testing me, my blood test to see if I had cholestasis, which, um, it's something that can happen in pregnancy. Um, and it's, it's to do with your liver and basically they want, they would have to deliver early cause they don't want to run the risk of, um, of a stillbirth. Mm-hmm. And, um, anyway, so I, everything was fine. They also tested me for preeclampsia because at this point my blood pressure wasn't high. It, it wasn't like low either, but I also just had a lot of swelling and, um, but you weren't super swollen at that point, right? No, I wasn't. Well, no, no, no. Until, oh, so so this is what happened. So, um, I also was gaining a lot of weight at the end. Like Mm -hmm. I had got, so like I said, I was getting monitored like, um, Monday and Thursday of every week. And, Mm -hmm. um, they were, so I went in on Thursday and by Monday I had gained like seven or nine pounds. So that's like what space of like three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, four days, three and a half days. Yeah. 
And so I go into my appointment on Monday and this is on the 28th of February, 2021. And I'm like, I told my doctor and he's like, let's run a preeclampsia test just because like, well, and what's that just like your urine? Yeah. Or yeah, they were testing my urine to see if there was any protein in it. Okay. And, um, Anyway, I was checking the results and I saw that it came back that night mm-hmm. and um, it, it said that there was protein in my urine. And um, I, so when I, I had really bad edema with JD and I would wear compression mm-hmm. socks. Like it just with, with wasn't. With JD or with Austin? With JD. Okay. Okay. And well, and I wore them with Austin, but not as bad, but um, so the 28th after I had seen my doctor and I had had my non-stress test and stuff like that. I, uh, that night I just was like looking at my legs and they were so swollen and I saw that my thing had come back with protein in it. And so I called labor and delivery and I told, I talked to them. No, 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 no. You're, you're missing part of the story, right? Where you called me. Well, this, I called you the next day. Oh, that's the next day. Okay. 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 Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I called labor and delivery and I told them, um, my test results and, uh, and she was like, you need to call your doctor right now. And if he didn't answer, like just come in, but he was actually the on-call doctor. So he did answer and he was like, yeah, just go in. Like you need to get tested. So I go in and, um, it was the, my heart rate was, or my blood pressure was pretty high. Um, but they wanted to monitor me. I had to go in by myself at first, just because we had Austin at home and we didn't live. I mean, we live three and a half hours away from family and, yeah, and it was still like everywhere. was doing like tons of COVID restrictions. Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't have people. Yeah. That's the other element of it. And it was late at night. Like it was like nine 30 or something at night. And I actually ended up calling one of my friends, one of our good friends. Um, and I called her and I was like, Hey, cause Anthony really wanted to be with me. Cause there was also a possibility that I could be delivering. Mm-hmm. Um, and she came over and I was like, she was also pregnant too. And I was like, can you come over and just watch the monitor? Like, you don't really have to even do anything. And she did. And she just sat there. I don't even remember how long she was there for, maybe an hour, two hours. And she just sat and watched the monitor and probably watched TV and stuff. But Mm -hmm. um, basically, when I was at the hospital, they they, um, just were monitoring my blood pressure. And um, they wanted to um, check again for preeclampsia. But now actually what I'm remembering is I didn't have my non-stress test on that, on that day. I just was seeing my doctor for a regular appointment visit. So then, um, they, they were like, if your blood pressure ends up being super high, like you're going to have to stay the night, but, um, it wasn't. So my blood pressure, when I was at the hospital on the 28th, it wasn't, it was high, but then it would come down and. They did a non-stress test and the baby was totally fine. And they were like, okay, when are you seeing your doctor again? And I said, oh, tomorrow, which was March 1st. I was like, I have to go in for a non-stress test. 
And they're like, okay, just talk to him when you get there type of thing. Um, anyway, they were waiting. They did wait on some, uh, they were, so they took some blood while I was there the night before on the 28th, because when you have preeclampsia, um, they want to make sure that, um, you're not having help syndrome, which it's like a step further than preeclampsia. Like you will go into seizures and it's just really scary. Like you can die. And, um, and I didn't, so they're like, okay, yeah, I didn't die. My platelets came back normal. Um, my liver enzymes came back normal and stuff like that. And it's funny because, um, I was working, you know, at this time I was planning on working up to my delivery point, but I was just like, Oh, what am I going to tell chat books? Like, <laughs> what am I going to tell them tomorrow? You know? And, yeah. um, so I did, they did tell me that I for sure had preeclampsia and that they will probably be delivering the baby at 37 weeks. So I go in the next day and I'm at my non-stress test and everything is fine, but the doctor does come in and he was like, Hey, you do have preeclampsia. He was like, you know, with gestational diabetes, like if you just had gestational, we would deliver you at 39. But since you now have preeclampsia, we have to deliver you at 37 weeks, which was going to be St. Patrick's day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, you know, yada, yada, yada. And, um, I, he told me that I didn't have to be on any medication because my bottom, the bottom number was okay. But that if it got to be over 100, then I would need to be put on medication. Mm-hmm. And then he also just told me like, this is on March 1st, mind you. He told me like, if I have any headaches and those headaches don't go away um, with medication that I needed to like go into the hospital right then. Um, so I remember even, uh, going back home and, um, I remember working, I had a shift, remember working that shift. And I remember after that, I had a really bad headache and I was like, um, I was really worried and I took medicine. It wasn't going away. And, um, and then I called you Liz. Okay. like, I was like, I think that you need to come up here because no. So Bridget sent me a picture of her leg and you had had your compression socks on Mm -hmm. and they had like the shape of a cloud or something on them. I don't know what it was. And she sent me a picture of her legs and she was so swollen. They were like indented into her leg. (laughs) And you sent me, so she had a picture of leg and then a picture of her ankles. And I said, does your doctor know you're this swollen? And she's like, well, yeah, I saw him earlier today or whatever. And I was like, yeah, but does he know you're this swollen tonight? And I was like, you need to call your doctor. Yeah. So then, um, I ended up having headaches still, you know, and, um, I went into, no, I called him and I, they were like, Hey, you need to come in right now. I thought you sent them a picture over like their messaging system uh I don't remember maybe I did because that's how they have that photo of your legs that they show to the patients that's true I think I think you're right I think anyway but um I remember calling the labor and delivery and I was like should I pack a bag and they were like yes you should pack a bag like 
we don't know what's going to happen. You could be admitted. You could be staying like you could be on bed rest. Like we have mm-hmm. no idea. And so I was really worried because we also like weren't planning on having a baby, you know, at 34 weeks, like, mm-hmm. and we hadn't gotten a bassinet yet. And, um, we hadn't gotten a lot of things. And, and so, I mean, we still had stuff from Austin, but it was just like, oh my gosh. So, um, did, did I wait for you to come to my house before I left? So Bridget called me and said that the doctor said I need to come in. And so I, uh, no, I think, did I meet somebody at the house? I feel like maybe I met someone at your house. Maybe it was Anthony. I don't know. Probably. But yeah, I came up. Yeah, you came up and Liz works from home. So she was able to bring her laptops and stuff with you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and she just, you know, was with Austin, but so when we get to the hospital, they were like, um, we got there and I was like, okay, I guess I'm getting admitted because they said you can, you're NPO, like you cannot have anything by mouth. Um, and they were checking my blood pressures all throughout the night and they were oh so high, like I'm looking at texts. They were 167 over 107. Oh my gosh. Like they got up to, I can't, I'll have to look through anyway. Um, so then in the middle, I think the doctor came in in the middle of the night, um, or early morning, but they were like, Hey, um, since this is like getting scary, uh, we're probably going to have to schedule your C-section for tomorrow, which would be March 2nd. But um, he was like, the baby looks great, but with the headaches and swelling and the blood pressures being high, they're probably going to do it tomorrow. And so they gave me a steroid shot right then um, just because JD, you know, his lungs were still developing. And, and, and did you say what, what weeks you were at? You were at 34 weeks, right? 34 yeah. weeks. And, um, and so they gave me a steroid shot for JD's lungs because it would help them develop to get better. Yeah. Get better. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing though, too, is like nothing was set in stone yet. Um, just because he wanted the maternal fetal medicine person to come in and, mm-hmm. and come look at everything and make sure that we're okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also said too, that we should plan on, um, we should plan on having the baby be in the NICU for like three to five weeks. And mm-hmm. he did tell me that I could eat something and, but I had to stop. <laughs> I uh, had to stop eating at 6 a.m. Um, anyway, so, so we had to stay in the hospital next morning. We just kind of waited around for the maternal fetal medicine and it literally took so long for them to come, you know? Mm-hmm. And also me, like, I wasn't ready. Like I wanted to look nice. I wanted to look presentable for having a baby. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, I need to wax my mustache. I need to do my <laughs> tinkle razor. Like I want to put on my fake eyelashes, people. Um, And I forgot that stuff at home. Do you remember? And I think Anthony went and got some of it. Um, I don't anyway, but so... The OB then uh, spoke with the maternal fetal medicine on the phone that morning. 
Mm-hmm. And they started to, um, they started to start me on magnesium because, uh, when you have preeclampsia, um, you can develop, they, you can, uh, have seizures, like if it gets bad and the magnesium, it helps protect the baby's nervous system and also prevent seizures. So it helps prevent also like JD possibly could have gotten cerebral palsy because of it. Um, and anyway, so, but we were still the mater- even though he talked to the maternal fetal medicine, they still wanted to come in and like scan the baby and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was fun. Like I actually really loved my nurses. They were so funny and I'm not trying to like toot my own horn here, but all of the nurses like loved me, dude. Like I <laughs> just kept making everybody laugh and all of the nurses wanted to come meet me. Like, I don't know, but I just remember being like, and you can ask Anthony can fact check this for me too, but everybody wanted to come meet me because they were like, we've heard this place is the place to be. And you're like one of the coolest patients we've ever had. And, um, I don't know. I don't even anyway, but so, uh, the maternal fetal medicine came in or sorry, the ultrasound tech came in. And they did the ultrasound. They got photos. Um, and basically, uh, the maternal fetal medicine was like, yeah, we got to deliver. Like, this is the baby looked fine. She just wanted to make sure, though, that like he looked fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a point where they thought that maybe the placenta had attached to, um, I had like scarring from my C section. Oh, from your, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So they were a little bit worried that if they basically cut me open that hemorrhage or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, anyway, she like looked at it closer and it wasn't, it was fine. I just remember from the time. So basically she was like, Hey, um, we, we want to get the C-section today, basically when he's done with surgeries, cause he's in surgeries all day today. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so after then it was kind of like go time almost because we had the NICU charge nurse came in and, um, oh man. Oh, May. I'm sorry. I, um, like thinking about those nurses. Oh, you make me cry. <laughs> They are little, like, literal, like, angels on earth, like, and, um, it is so hard having your baby in the NICU, but, like, those nurses that take care of them, they are amazing, and, like, I feel so blessed for the nurses that we had. Um, anyway, so she came in. And, um, she said that they were going to watch him for 36 hours, like closely, just because the first 36 hours are kind of crucial. And, um, but that we would have to plan on him, you know, being, uh, in the NICU for up to five weeks. So, um, she did say that he would be getting an IV 
he would be getting um, food through an NG tube or an OG tube and would most likely have to be intubated. And um, Anthony then, you know, was able to give me a blessing. And um, I was able to go back to the OR. And I was very, very nervous because with Jade, with Austin's birth, I had my whole family there. Like everybody was there in the room. It was like this very open thing. And um, it helped. I was really nervous to have a C-section because C-sections are, I don't know, that's scary. Like it's a major abdominal surgery. Mm-hmm. And with, um, with this one, just everything that was surrounding <laughs> it, I was just really scared. And, you know, with COVID restrictions, like, I wasn't able to have everybody there. It was literally me and Anthony. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, I remember I was shaking so bad when they put in my spinal block. Like, and we actually talked to the anesthesiologist and they thought that maybe there could have been a possibility that I would have to go under general anesthesia, but um, just because of my autoimmune disease, but that wasn't the case. Anyway, um. I just remember though, like, you know, I'm laying down and, you know, they're cutting you open and, and, uh, you know, you feel a lot of tugging and pulling and, and, um, I just remember like when he came out, all I could think about, because I was so scared that he was going to have to get intubated because they told us that like, if he doesn't come out breathing or crying, like, he will have to get intubated. And I just remember like praying. I was like, please, 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 please help him come out crying. And, um, it took him a little bit, but he like had like the shrillest cry ever. Like it was like a screech. And I remember they were like, Whoa, like he finally, yeah, he's like crying. Yeah. And, um, he got taken to the NICU. He was hooked up to a lot of monitors. Um, sorry, I'm just going to interject. I remember Anthony took a video of JD's birth and now watching, watching it back. You know, I've done that. I remember watching it because he said, Anthony's good about sending us real time updates when you've had your baby. So I'm grateful there, but I remember watching it and being like, He's not crying yet, you know, because, you know, in the movies or whatever it is, as soon as the baby comes out, they're like, and it just, it just seems like forever. It does. Started crying. Yeah. And even the doctor, you know, is like, you can, in the video, like he's trying to rub and he's trying to suction. He's like, Hey, in the video, he's like, it's time to be a land breather now. Like, yeah, gotta start breathing, you know? And then he does. And I was like, so happy about that but also so Anthony I told Anthony I was like you go be with JD and I will just you know be here because I wanted to make sure that JD was okay Mm -hmm. because since he was going to the NICU like they had a whole team waiting there was a window in our operating room that they just Mm -hmm. gave them to the NICU team and you know they're all trying to get him breathing and make sure that he doesn't need a septic workup or anything like that. Um, Mm -hmm. but my OB also had a PA that was working with him and it took very, very long to suture everything. Like it was so long and because you have so many layers of skin, you know, 
And anyway, so then I get wheeled back and I, my anesthesia actually stopped working. Um, so I could feel a lot of the suturing like while I was in there and yeah, were you, were you there when they did the, the injection in my stomach under fluoroscopy? Uh, I I don't remember. Maybe. I just know that you know, I had to come back and then they had to get the anesthesiologist again. And so they had to give me another injection into my stomach under, um, x-ray because. Oh no, I wasn't there for that then. Okay. And this, but this was in the room where you met me at like initial room. Um, and so since there were COVID restrictions, I only got to have two people and one of them was Anthony. And so Liz, since she was there, my dad had come up at this point and she got to come up and visit me. And, um, that was so sweet. I remember you Dude, like I'm starting crying. <laughs> oh, yeah. so I remember I walked into the room and Bridget's by herself. And this is like in the, re- I don't know what you call it, recovery. And mm-hmm. like the instant I saw her, I just started crying. <laughs> And the nurse was walking in and out and I just was like bawling and I'm like, sorry, I'm emotional. Like, I'm nuts. I know. And I, I was like, my nose was so stuffy and um, yeah, I had to ask her for tissues. Do you remember that? Yeah. I was crying so hard. Yeah. 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 But anyway, like we ended up getting back and, um, you know, we ended up JD's in the NICU um, my blood pressure still started to be high and, um, were you having headaches still? I don't remember that. Yeah. So I ended yeah. up having to get put on medication for like five weeks or until my like, pressure? yeah, po- until like my post, like the appointment, uh, the six week appointment or whatever. And, um, and two during the hospital, like when you're there, mm-hmm. um, after you're, they were pumping me full of fluids. And the doctor came in like the next day and he's like, why are you doing this? He's like, he was like, cause they messed up. Like the nurses messed up mm-hmm. and they were like, she has preeclampsia. She has so much edema and you are doing the opposite thing. He was like, she needs to be put on Lasix. So I was put on Lasix, which is, um, basically a water. Yeah. And, um, Anyway, so I was put on that. So meanwhile, you know, JD is in the NICU. And how much weight did you end up losing from the diuretic? It was like 40 pounds, right? Yeah, it was. I No, it was 30. I instantly lost 30 pounds. Of water weight. That's how much, that's how much she was swollen. Yeah, it was awful. And um, so JD was born, you know, on the second. And after I had him, we were able, he didn't sleep with us at all, you know, in the hospital or obviously coming mm-hmm. home, but mm-hmm. we were able to go visit him. And, um, that's really hard because we weren't able to hold him our first day meeting him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we were, we were able to put our like hand in the incubator. Um, and it was really, really sweet because, um, we FaceTimed with Liz and my dad and like JD was responsive whenever he heard Austin's voice. It was mm-hmm. like so sweet. Oh, sorry. I don't know if you're going to tell this, but JD or we would FaceTime Bridget from the hospital. And I have this video of Austin FaceTiming JD and I'll see if I'll see if I can find it. 
Um, but he goes, hi, JD. How are you? <laughs> oh, you're good? What have you been doing today? <laughs> like, he's just like having this little conversation with JD. Yeah. Um, it was so cute. But so then the next day, um, he we waited for the uh, neonatologist and um, basically they just kind of gave us the rundown. Like, I guess when he was born, he had respiratory distress and they had to put him on the CPAP machine. And then in the middle of the night, the first night, he was just having like sleep apnea. Like he just kept stop breathing. Um, anyway, but, uh, they always tell you in the NICU, basically it's two steps forward, one step back. And that's like kind of what it was the case. Um, it was, uh, it was hard having him in there just because like he kept having these episodes and they weren't sure why he was having these episodes. Um, they wanted to make sure that he, uh, they wanted to do an ultrasound on his head to see if there was a brain bleed just because Mm -hmm. that could have been the cause. Um, they also thought that maybe it was because I had been getting magnesium for the seizures. Um, and since it has a half-life, um, it could have been in his bloodstream. And that's why, you know, they they wanted to check that to see if maybe that's what it was. Um, and then what was the other thing? Oh, they wanted to run some labs to see um, if he had an infection or anything, like if he was mm-hmm. septic. Um, because basically, uh, they, they always too want to be like two steps forward than the NICU people. Um, just because if it could, it could go really bad, you know, really fast. But, um, I guess the night before they did the, why they decided to do the ultrasound was it, it got really scary. And so, um, they didn't know if it was, it may not be like a lung problem, but maybe like a central nervous system problem. Um, but his, his ultrasound came back normal. And basically it was just that he just doesn't know how to breathe, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, he, so he also had jaundice and, you know, they had to keep him in one of those like bilirubin lights, um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, he, he just kept having episodes like, and the thing too, is like with the NICU, they told us too, that there are two reasons why babies stay either they can't eat or they can't breathe. And actually you would rather have the not breathing baby Oh, because it, I don't know why, like, I don't remember. Um, oh my gosh, dude. Um, I don't remember, I don't remember why, but, um, it was hard, like being in the NICU. Like I remember the first night that I went home from the hospital Mm -hmm. because the NICU is right next to like the labor and like the postnatal or postpartum, uh, (coughs) unit. So you're able to see them like super freely. And I just remember that first night coming home, I was so glad to see Austin, and you know, be home with him, but it was hard. It was hard because like, all I had were like photos to look at him, you know? And, um, and I remember calling that night and I was like, is he okay? Like, 
is he doing good? And they're like, yes, because they give you a number. And then the next morning, I remember calling and um, I was like, how did he do? And they're like, he actually had like really scary episodes last night. And I just remember bawling because mm-hmm. I wasn't I didn't get to be there. I didn't get to be there with my baby. And mm-hmm. it's just it's hard. Like, you know, too. like you're trying to also juggle your other kid and trying to like juggle like you know, being with him and then coming home and going back to the hospital. And, um, with JD, you know, the NICU, they want to make sure that he can breathe on his own. So when you have a baby there, that's um, not able to breathe, you have to pass a certain amount of tests to be able to go home. And mm-hmm. they also tried to like do it every other day. The thing is we, there were also like students there they had like an NP nurse student and I think a PA or something. (coughs) No, he was actually an NP. And, um, so the neonatologist, he would like, you know, let them round and let them decide what the plan was of the day. And, um, we loved our neonatologist. He actually happened to be in our ward, which was awesome. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. He was the brother of our pediatrician and they were just, it was like so many different like tender mercies in this story. But, um, so then, uh, JD just kept not passing. He kept like just having a hard time. Every time they took him off oxygen, he'd have to go back on. He blew so many veins like, and, um, but, uh, what was I going to say? I remember one day, one of my nurses, she was like, um, so one of the tests you have to, you have to pass is you have to be, the baby has to be 24 hours without having oxygen and not tank. Or if they do tank a little bit, they have to bring themselves right back up. And, um, and then they also have to go three hours in a car seat and not go off, like not have anything happen. And, um, my nurse, she came in and she was just talking. She was super cool. I loved her. And she was like, you know what? She's like, this is because I was just asking her. I was like, why does this keep happening? And she's like, I'm just going to be honest with you. She was like, it wears them out to do this every other day. She was like, mm-hmm. she was like, I would give him a couple days to just like build up his strength mm-hmm. and be able to do that and then try the room air test. And, um, and I was like, okay, so that morning. Uh, wait, wait, wait. can we also tell everyone what you thought room air was <laughs> okay so oh my gosh so every time they'd be like okay we need to have him have a room air test and I was like what is that like I thought it was one I thought they were saying like room air like room air room air the product is room air and I was like is that like a fancy name for a test I legit asked my nurse I was like what does room air stand for like and she's like oh well for room air like and you're like you're like okay thanks for breaking it down (laughs) (laughs) i legit felt so stupid and it's still like just as the air that's in the room yeah (laughs) (laughs) but anyway so that morning so that morning at rounds i told the neonatologist i was like i don't want to do the room air test today I was uh-huh. like, I want JD to get 
stronger right. so that he can pass in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And um, the nurse practitioner was like kind of annoyed by that, which was fine. Like, I feel like you just have to advocate for your kids, even if that makes somebody mad. And he ended up coming home like he ended up passing. Um, I it was and, and we were so happy to have him home because it is it is so emotionally hard to have your child in the NICU. Yeah. Well, he was there for like two weeks, right? He was there for two weeks. And I was like, I was able to see him at least once a day because my mom was also with, with us. And Anthony was also on a rotation that was like, he had to go every single, it was an ER one and he had taken time off for the uh, birth. Mm -hmm. And so he had to make up all of these other days. And, um, anyway, anyway, um, it just was hard. Like it was so hard to have him at the NICU. It was so hard to balance the time. It was hard to see him go through all of this. And you're also, there's also a lot of other sick babies that are in there too, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, you know, there were so many nice people, like the Ronald McDonald home is there and we were able to go and sit in there some days and they provide lunch. They We lived close enough, so we were grateful for to be able to not have to use their homes, but the people there are incredible. Um, my NICU nurses, I can't say enough good things about them. I think that they are like the best people on this earth. They... Oh. And they're the people too that like when you're not there, like they're the ones that are there with your baby and feeding them and like making sure that they feel loved. And I just like get emotional every time like I think about them just because they like seriously hold like a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, his birth story was crazy and he's here well, and so Oh. The thing that I teach Bridget about all the time, too, is that she says, you know, she's like, JD's crying so much, whatever, blah, blah, like now when Nellie's too. And I'm like, well, you pray for him to cry and Here the Lord is. answers prayers. Yeah. That's the thing, though, is JD is by far like our feistiest child. He has we say that he has little man syndrome because he's he really he's tiny, like he's tiny little guy. Yeah. I mean, he weighs two more pounds than Robbie. Yeah. And he's, he's small, like not even just weight wise, but also height, like, Mm -hmm. and, um, he's just a tiny little guy. And so he has to make up for it and in being the loudest in the room. And he like, will scream, he will get mad. And it's just, it's funny, dude. Like it's funny. Yeah. And we love JD. Yeah. He's the perfect little addition. I, like he's just the sweetest. He has the cutest little smile and he's mischievous and he adores Austin and Austin loves him a little too much sometimes, but <laughs> yeah. The best. We're glad he's in our family. Anyway, sorry. I talked so much, but no, I- that was great, dude. Yeah. So that's our little, that's our little um, episode for, JD, because this episode will come out on JD's second birthday. So happy birthday, little JD, buddy boy. Yep. So anyway, well, anything else you want to add, Liz? No. 
I'm happy. I love JD and I'm glad that you survived childbirth. Me too. And now that's, that's also why I'm just trying to lose weight because I do not want to have another pregnancy like that. Yeah, I get it. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for coming in and listening and we're glad to have you here. Yeah. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.